Chapter 9 Hideous Visage A small dining hall had lain unused for generations. It was interior to the fortress and therefore less prone to leaks in the roof. Yoth bade it to be clean and invited Raska to join her for a private evening repast. The hearth behind her was cold, though she allowed Nazg tallow candles to be lit and placed in wall sconces. They gave off a terrible smell, but illuminated the space sufficiently. Nazg hips being what they were, Razka would have sat awkwardly in a human-crafted chair, so she allowed him a stool. She lounged on a rather sturdy throne-like structure, presented to her just an hour ago by the Hargath's favored Nazg servant, a servile creature called Noi Iknoi. The chair was even cushioned with rabbit pelt pillows. Razka, you will tell me if any of the other Wurgos need killing, won't you? Yes, Queen Yothavanta, he said around a mouthful of stew. Even empty of mouth, he would have pronounced it Yashethanta. He didn't chew food so much as mash it a couple times before gulping it down. Speak your own tongue, Prime Razka. The Nazg made a crude bowing motion. You honor me, and our conversations will be quicker if I do not have to gnash my tongue on Ennish. He swallowed another slurp and continued, Perhaps Tilda and Umlot, but not yet. Um has many powerful gurnts, heroic and hungry. Um is a god among them. Better to keep them living for now. Tilda of Gagala's Chesk controls the southern passes in the west. Chesk are not accustomed to the cold as we of Gagala's wound are. Not much use for the siege of Locked. Yoth stirred a crude wooden spoon in her bowl. She forced a bite down, though her belly rebelled. The babe must be nourished. I do not want you to lay siege to Locked. The Nazg froze, bowl half raised to his mouth. The only possible route to the south is through the city, unless... He set the bowl down and reached for his skull staff, which leaned against the table to his right. Drawing it to him, he gripped the shaft and squeezed. The eye gems did not begin to glow with swarm light. This was a nervous habit, Yoth supposed. You know of another way, queen? It is winter. The high passes will be buried with snow. I'm surprised how little your people know of Serenhel. Have you not explored its depths? Yes, none returned. Finish your supper. I shall take you deep below this hall, and there I will show you a wonder. The Elnissians called it Earl Inhu. Men call it a Durslin wheel. Noi shuffled into the room, bowing and murmuring apologies. The caravaner the Hargar summoned has arrived. Standing, she fixed Razka with a glare. Do not leave. I will show you the wheel when I'm done with this. Razka leapt up, accidentally knocking his stool over. He bowed. Yes, queen. Noi, have my chair brought into the great hall. The man standing before Yothazandra breathed through his mouth. Every inhalation lifted his chest and raised his elbows toward his ears. When he let go, his whole body shuddered. It wasn't just the cold, though steam billowed from his mouth in the wintry hall, and it wasn't fear, at least not completely, that made him tremble so. It was exhaustion.
The Hargath told me of you. You are late. Yoth sat upon her throne-like chair, legs crossed, toes of one foot carving an agitated circle in the air. She regarded the man on the floor below the dais. His thick fur cloak had likely started this journey as a very fine garment, as had the woolens, scarf, and beaver-skin cap. The man himself had diminished, carrying the distinct sag of cheek and jowl of a man once plump, now gone gaunt. He pleaded now, which she rather liked. I assure you that nothing could be done about the delays. There were storms, great snows, and not all Nosg knew to allow a safe passage. I'd lost half my caravan to raids. Yoth turned her head fractionally to aim her gaze at Noy. Discover who these Nosg were. I want Drick and Clan, and summon their Wurgu to me immediately. She returned her attention to the caravaner. He called himself Tarek Pitoro, and claimed to be the greatest such merchant in Starside. How many men did you bring with you? she asked. I need blacksmiths, stonemasons, cooks. There are seventeen of us men who have survived the trip. I started with one hundred and fifty. Am I to infer by your poor result that you could not plan for the contingencies that any man might expect traveling here by wagon train? The man gibbered for a moment before falling silent. He made no defense, for he had none. He likely expected to die once he faced the Hargath, and the Hargath would have obliged. But Yoth would not be so wasteful. The man was here. There was no reason to extinguish his life when she could make good use of him. You shall return to Starside. Now? May I not rest for a week? Rest? What good to me is a man who rests? But fear not, I will not make you walk back to Starside. Time is precious. She placed a loving hand on her belly. What contacts do you have among the Radiancies? Many. I know all. I know them all. I have good relations with most. He clamped his mouth shut, a wise instinct. But how am I to get to Starside if not by walking, even on horse? Yothazandra rose from her seat and descended the dais to stand before the man. I shall summon someone who can dimense you there. The man's lips moved in an echo of the word he did not understand. A summoning circle was now permanently etched in the great hall floor courtesy of Yothazandra's sword and her dragon-fire powers. It was a scorched channel thirteen paces across. Yasnath and Flamishtek, come! He appeared in a fog of Marcus Green, again holding the creamy Felnathel that had adopted him. As was meat, Yoth dipped her head to the beloved one. The animal appeared to be asleep, but its tail flicked in response. Here I am, Flamishtek said. Did you call me merely to look upon my pulchritudinous face? Yoth ignored Flamishtek's taunts. He sought to provoke her to some sort of attack, something that would break the circle. He thought her a fool if he thought there was any chance of such a slip. Besides, if it came to battle, she would win. Encompass us in silence. Yoth could feel the Mercus come to life around the beast— she had no sense of what specific bolts he employed, nor did she care. But she would be a fool if she did not test the bubble of silence the domain had supposedly created. Tarek Pitoro, on your knees! 
The man did not obey. She found him cowering as far away from her as he could get, yet still be in her presence. He was more terrified of Flaumishtak than he was of her. But who could blame him, given the hideous visage on the creature? But she was satisfied he had not heard her command, so she proceeded with her questioning of the domain. You were to provide me spies in all the Elnisian cities where men still live, and yet I have none. Explain. The beast lifted its shoulders. These things take time. Recruiting, uh, recruiting takes no time at all. Point to the man. We'll shift him. Weave slave will shadows into his mind. Do what you must, but give me my spies. Her wings manifested behind her, and she flapped them irritably before folding them back. You do recall our bargain, do you not? Flamishtak waved a claw in a placating manner. Of course I remember, and it is true I can give you such spies easily enough, but I assumed you wanted ones well placed, and it takes time because you do not want them behaving in such a manner that people become suspicious. If you want useful spies, presumably ones who will endure, then give me time. What about this one? She motioned to Petoro. He claims to be well-placed, has relationships with the Radiancies. Flaumishtak's eyes flared with fire, which slowly receded until they became orange embers in the black. Not a bad notion. He has possibilities, but his is not a common face in the citadel. I assume that's where you wanted your spy. I think he has quite enough reason to be in the citadel. After all, he's been here. Why cannot he go to my little cousin and present what he knows about Serenel? As a concerned citizen, a loyal subject, he can get in her good graces, advise her on preparing her own forces for war and then he can report all to me as their plans develop. Rather than argue, Thaumishtak merely nodded in submission. Do you require anything else of me? Yes. Dimense this man home. Do what you must to make him compliant, and provide a means for me to communicate him at my pleasure. Thaumishtak's lips pursed out as he considered this last request. Communication will require me to attach a little mercosine bow to your roiling brain. Will you allow such an intrusion? Yoth did not like it. She did not like it at all. She would no sooner allow Flamishtak entry into her mind than she would him into her bed. Noiknoi returned. He was followed by one of the Wurgus. She couldn't recall its name. He will do, she said, pointing at Noi. As you wish. Flamishtak curled a claw and made a slight twirling motion with one finger. Across the hall, Tarek Petoro stiffened for a moment before slumping forward, as if the last grain of strength had tumbled out of a hole in his pocket. And the same happened to Noi. Petoro gasped and screamed and tore at his hair. Noi growled in his throat and gnashed his teeth flinging his head side to side as if he could shake the man's presence from his mind. Desist, Yathazandra commanded. Human and Nozg fought to control their own reactions. She repeated her command three times. Finally, Petoro submitted. It took a minute longer for Noi to give in to the inevitable. You two are now dim-bonded, 
You can speak to each other across great distances. Is that not true, Flamishtak? It is. Petoro, you will return to Starside. You will ingratiate yourself at court. You will make yourself indispensable to her enlightened majesty, and you will prod the radiancies to rebellion. You will report all you discover to Noi. Do you understand? I do, the man said, now weeping openly. But his words would not be enough to satisfy Yathazandra. She stalked toward the man, already bringing heat to her lips. As she had marked her prime Razka, she burned a mark onto Petoro's forehead. His scream was shrill, and his consciousness flooded away as pain overwhelmed him. She did not bother to catch him as he fell. The mark would fade, and his lank mop of black hair would cover what little remained of it. But now, should he fail her, she could reinforce her control over him, delivering such exquisite pain that he would beg for death. Noi, carry this man into the circle and give him to Flamishtak. The Nazg did as told. Flamishtak took Petoro by the collar of his fur coat and held him out the way a man might hold a dead fish. He did not wait to be dismissed. Yathazandra turned her attention to the wurgu that Noi had fetched. You attacked that man's caravan and confiscated half of the goods that were intended for Serenhel. I gave no such order. And yet it was your Kagalis that this man passed through, coming from Locked. So among your clan were Dricks who robbed from me. The Nazg shaman had no reply for this. Perhaps he had issued the order to allow the caravan to pass, but some Dricks had simply seized upon the opportunity out of pure greed. What is your name, Wurgu? Bijtma, my queen. He showed no fear. Yet he knew his life hung upon a partially severed rope. I apologize for the behavior of my Gregalis. I will search out those who attacked the caravan, and I will deliver you their hearts. One day I will call upon you to make amends to me. To demonstrate your loyalty, you will remember my mercy. The shaman knelt and dipped the skull. Leave me. The shaman hustled away, leaving her alone with Noi. When Petoro speaks to you, you will search me out immediately. You will relay what he says, word for word. Yes, mistress. He hesitated, then rushed on. There is rumor from the clans to the north of dragons. Why were you so hesitant to inform me of this? I have called the dragons of night to me. These dragons, they are dead, 